Good evening. It's August. Can you believe it's August? This time next week, can I just tell you, I'll be in New York. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Um, right, I'm going to tell you my conclusion before I start, so that you know where I'm going. Because to be honest today, I've followed that many thoughts in my head. Um, that, um, oh, I've followed that many thoughts in my head, but I've stripped it back to one key idea. So if I tell you what it is, you'll be able to listen out for it, won't you? And if at the end, when I finish speaking, there's more questions, that's all right, isn't it? Because we're having a conversation and we're going to go somewhere else after this. But the key question I want you to think about tonight is what do you want? We've all got stories that have got us to here. And we are who we are now with those stories here. And I want you to be thinking, what do you want? And the second question that you're going to be asked to think about is what do you want more? Um, in Genesis 25, if you go away and read it, it would take too long to read the whole story, there is a story about a family, and there is a mum and a dad, there's Isaac and there's Rebecca, and they've got two sons called Jacob and Esau, and some of you might be familiar with the story, if you're not, go and read it, because there's some lovely little uh, moments in this story that will speak to you, um, and it's, there's a particular moment in there when Isaac is um, nearly blind, he's quite old, he's gone blind, and he sends for his son Esau, and he says, I want you to go and hunt, because he's a hunter. I want you to hunt, I want you to prepare some food, and I want you to be ready, because I'm going to bless you. And it's just said about fathers blessing their sons. And we still do it now. And back then, it was very, very significant and had great significance. Now, there's more to it than that, but I'm keeping it simple. So he was going to get this blessing. Now, Esau was dad's favorite, and Jacob was mum's favorite. I know they're not supposed to have favorites, but they did. And so when she hears that Esau, Isaac, is going to bless Esau, she thinks, no, 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 I want Jacob to have it because he's my favorite. So what she sets about doing is tricking the dad into believing that the younger son is the older son. And what she does is she um, covers his arms and parts of his body with hair because Esau's hairy and Jacob isn't. So she sort of makes him all hairy and then puts his clothes on and makes him smell like the other brother so that when he comes in with the food, um, he believes it to be the wrong son. I mean, she's a bit naughty, isn't she, really, tricking him like that. Um, and he gives the younger son the blessing. Now, Isaac falls for it because Jacob feels like Esau, um, but he does have the voice of Jacob. And there's this moment where Esau goes, uh, I, I'm getting the names all muddled up, aren't I? Isaac, the dad, says, hang on a minute, are you sure you're Esau? Are you Esau? But because it looks like, it feels and smells like Esau, he gives over this blessing, which was a problem. Now, on a very, very simple level, and I'm making it incredibly simple, and I'm aware of that, um, why did the feel and smell of Esau outweigh the voice of Jacob? Because both things were going on. He felt and smelt like Esau, but he sounded like Jacob. Now, on a very simple level, and I want you to allow me to make it very simple in a nutshell, and you can debate it with me later if you want. I believe that the reason why the feel and the smell outweighed the voice was because Isaac wanted it to be Esau. He actually wanted to give the blessing to his that son, he decided that was the moment when he wanted to do it. So it looked like it, it felt like it, it smelt like it, so 
it had to be it, because he had already chosen in his heart that that's what he wanted to do and that's what he wanted it to be. Now, what occurred to me today was that the combination of our senses and our wants is, are incredibly powerful. Um, and our wants can even be bigger than what we tell ourselves we want. So let me give you an example. I can say that I want to be free of something in my life, and yet in all of my behaviours and conversations, I am feeding the something in my life because it actually gives me something that I want that I haven't acknowledged. Does that make sense? So I can say to people, oh, I just want this over here to be sorted, whilst in my almost my subconscious life, how I'm outworking my life, I'm not communicating that I want it to be sorted. In fact, I'm doing the opposite. I'm feeding it and making it worse. So you've got what we think you want and you understand, and then you've got what you do. Now, doing this can help us justify all sorts of things, avoid all sorts of things, um, move our own agenda forward with things, and it can feel better, and we can ignore the conflicting voice, because Isaac knew it didn't sound like Esau, but we can ignore those voices because it feels like what, what we want and what we like. Now, we're like Isaac, we can become very blind to the truth over time. But if the time of God's favour is now, and part of what he does is give sight to the blind, we can shed a bit of light on it. So what I want to do for a few moments is try and shed a little bit of light. It might work, it might not. You might go out of here still quite dark, but I'm going to attempt to shed some light. So will you be willing to have the light turned on? Yes? Okay. So what do you want? It's the 1st of August, 2015. What do you want? I mean, really want. I could go into the song then, couldn't you? Couldn't I? Now, when I got a few... <laughs> that would have been so cool if I'd have just sung that, or people had joined me on the stage and we'd done a Spice Girls... Come on, you're laughing? Because you'd have liked to join in that. Now, when I got a promotion a few years ago at work, it meant I had a much bigger team. Um, and my dad, when I got this promotion, likes to share his wisdom, and he has some. So he shared his wisdom with me about how I was going to lead this much bigger team. And he said to me, Jenny, people are going to come to you with all kinds of problems, and you're not going to have time to deal with them all. So he gave me this piece of wisdom that he said he used to do with his big team at work. He said, if people come to you with a problem that they simply won't let go of, you know those people that have problems? He said, ask them this question. What are you wanting the outcome of this situation to be? And I thought, I'm not sure I've remembered that question very well since he told me three years ago, but it's an excellent question. Because how often do we come with our things, and we all do it, with our things that we're churning over and churning over, but never ask the question, well, what am I wanting the outcome of this to actually B. And some of you tonight, it would do you an enormous amount of good to ask yourself that question. In the stuff you're wrestling with, the stuff you're churning over, the stuff you're going on, uh, you know, the stuff that we get hooked into, what are you wanting the outcome to be? Because in asking that question, you will shed some light and be able to have a good look at what's going on. Um, I've lost my place already, that's all right. 
We are able to share our problems normally without much difficulty, aren't we? But have we spent time considering what we're wanting? Um, not what your story to others uh, might be about what you're wanting, but what you're actually wanting. And that requires us to have some real honest conversation with yourself. Because you can tell yourself, well, I'm just wanting that. We can all say it, but in your own heart, you can be asked for something quite difficult, different. Now, then you have to ask yourself, if you want to be a Christ follower, is what you want possible within the remit of building kingdom? If you've chosen to follow Jesus, said I'm following you to build a kingdom, then the question becomes, hang on a minute, is what I'm wanting going to fit within the framework of what I'm saying I want to help build here? If you don't want to help build it, you can kind of do what you want, but if you said you're going to help build it, that brings you into a different community with other people that you're then equally accountable to. Now, let's link this to last week. If you say, well, I just want justice, I just want justice in this situation, can you have justice in a kingdom where what's on offer is scandalous and shocking grace? Can you have what you want? Or do you have to say, that's what I want, that would make me feel better, but I can't have that and have that. And you have to choose between the things. But at least if you're willing to say, what I'm wanting is justice, you can at least shed light on it and then make a decision about what you want more. Now, the more I have understood grace, the more I think it's incredibly shocking. It's incredibly shocking. What God does for us and what we are asked to do for others under grace is shocking. It's shocking. Now, the other thing that you might want is you might say, well, I want everything to feel okay. I want everything to be okay with everybody. I want everything to be okay. Can we have a kingdom where everything feels okay? That's a question. Now, I don't think so, and I'll tell you why I don't think so. Because it will be a kingdom, if everything is okay, it will be a kingdom where forgiveness is never required where no one will ever do something intentionally or, or unintentionally that I have a problem with. Is that likely to happen in a world of people with differences? I don't think so. And if we never need to forgive, because forgiving doesn't necessarily mean someone's gone out to deliberately cruel to you. We have to forgive the stuff that they haven't meant to do, but just, just triggered something in us that was painful. Um, it wouldn't have to be... L-A-F-D squared, was it? would it? Loved, accepted, forgiven, done, times love, accept, forgive, do. It could just be lad, couldn't it? Loved, accepted, done. There would be no need to forgive in that kingdom because everything would be okay. Because you don't have to forgive what you're okay with, do you? If you're okay with it, there's nothing to forgive. So I'm not even sure that wanting everything to be okay or feel okay with everybody, I don't think you can have it, I'm sorry. I don't think you can have it. So you can't have that, sorry. If that's what you're wanting, we need to find something that you want more. Um, now, I originally wrote down, what are you wanting or are you just moaning? And then I thought, well, actually, I realized that sometimes people want to be able to moan. Because sometimes the criticism is what we want. Because if we're the person that can see what's wrong, 
We get to be the person who knows more. I can see what's wrong. I can see what you're doing wrong. I can see what they're doing wrong. I can be superior and I can act as the judge of what everybody else is getting wrong. That can be what you want. You can want to be that person who is in charge of policing everybody else. That can be what you want for your life. Um, what if we have mixed wants? We come down to which we want more. Now, the religious leaders in Jesus' day had enormous problems with who he was and what he was saying. Now, what did they want the outcome to be? In Jesus' day, what did they want the outcome to be? Because they wanted a Messiah, but they didn't want this Messiah. So they, didn't want, they did not want the outcome to be that Jesus was the Messiah. So because they didn't want that, everything that they heard him say, everything that they... Um, saw him do had to be undermined in their minds because it, it could not be, it was so not what they wanted that they had to refuse to make it fit because the want that they had for the Messiah to fit with them meant that they fell for the lie, didn't they? They fell for the lie that this wasn't the Messiah when the truth was it was. And they ended up missing out because the want they had for the Messiah to come and endorse everything that they'd always thought and believed actually robbed them of the very Messiah that they had been waiting for. So we are in danger if we have such strong wants that we do not recognize are immovable. We are in danger of being deceived. We are. Now, I want to have my cake and eat it too is a great expression, isn't it? And sometimes the things we want are incompatible. Um, they're sometimes incompatible with what it is we're trying to build in our lives. You can't have everything you want. There was this great video clip. I nearly showed it. And it said, when adults have tantrums, <laughs> You'll have to look it up, it's really funny. And it's like an adult um, acting like a toddler, so the bill comes through, and she's holding the bill, and she's crying, I don't want to pay my bills! And she's kicking off. And, and, because actually we do, we sometimes think, well, I want to be able to do everything I want, I want to be able to say everything I want, I want to be able to think everything I want, but I don't want there to be any consequences for that. Um, and again, I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too. Now, I am able to think of many instances where I, had I have had such a want for an out outcome that I have made everything fit that. I've just been absolutely, that's what I want, that's what I'm going to get, that's what I'm going to have. Now, some of it has been positive in the sense that if I've been pursuing something positive, it can be about passion and resilience and determination and great and other-centered sacrifice where you say, right, we're doing this, we're on with this, we're removable. So having a fixed want for something, if that's a positive want, can be amazing. But if we get hooked onto something that is going to not be good for us, it can be incredible, incredibly destructive. Now, let me give you a specific example because that can help then, can't it, if there's a specific example. Now, I like people to be happy with me. I do. I like you all to be pleased with me. I don't like when people aren't pleased with me. Now, where that comes from in me is from some of my history and some of the things from my past, which is a much longer story. But I struggle if I think people are unhappy. Now, if I do not own the fact that I have a tendency towards people pleasing, I can easily blind myself 
and hold that want in my life so sacred that if I have to make a difficult call that will upset you, I can avoid it. And I've had to be very aware of that at work. I've had to be very aware of that in my relationship with people. And I have to deliberately think, am I not saying this because I don't want you to be unhappy with me, or do I need to say it even though you might be unhappy with me? But unless I recognize that that is a want in my life, I will not recognize when I am choosing that want over actually what may need to be done. Is that a practical example to make it clear? Now, within that as well, how this works in a relationship, Graham and I have been married for 15 years this week, which I'm quite, I'm quite impressed with us, I have to say. Now, um, we have had to learn how to fall out. Now, bear with me. We have had to learn how to fall out because because of his issues and because of my issues, we both hated conflict. And I could explain all that, but it's a much longer story, but just trust me. So for the first few years we were married, it's, we, we just couldn't, we, we almost like both of us, wanted not to fall out, so if he was unhappy with me, he would disappear <laughs> mentally and emotionally for days. Um, if I was unhappy with him, I would just smile, suck it up, pretend everything was okay, and um, we would we'd live like that for quite a while. Now, within some of that time, there are things happening that, was, that if I talk about a trophy of grace, if, I, if you knew some of that story, <sighs> Sorry. If you knew, some of you knew our story, you would be gobsmacked. And um, sorry. You would be gobsmacked. I can't even look at some people who do know because you know, you would be gobsmacked. But there was a situation that I let go on for years. I mean, seven years. Because I did not want to have conflict. So... I let something go on that you, honestly, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe some of the mess. You, I let it go on because the idea of calling it and seeing it and having the mess of that all being in the open was so terrifying to me that I, would, I, I chose to have a, a fake peace. I chose to find a way to cope within it that... Um, was killing me on the inside, but allowed me to stay and to cope and to be in it. Now, when things changed for me was when someone got in my face, it was my sister, when she got absolutely in my face and she called me on the lot and I hated her for it. And um, she, lit she would not let me she would not let me go because she, she, she literally, it, it was one of the worst conversations of my life. It was her and her late husband, actually, which I'll forever be grateful to him for. And they called me on all of it, and it was horrendous. But when I got home from their house, I actually had the conversation. I had the conversation, and it was awful. But in that moment, everything just changed because instead of allowing a situation that was um, all about me wanting to keep the illusion and the peace, I actually owned what was really going on and just put, put it out there. Now, it's still a long way back from those things, but I'll tell you what, um, 
It is incredible. It's incredible. And we have still, even since then, had to learn how to fall out in the sense that you, some of you don't need to do this within your marriages because that's your story. But if we both avoid saying, I go in on myself and become so screwed up in my mind, he disappears. You can imagine how destructive that is. So we have learned how to fight. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. We can have a it's over in five minutes. It's amazing. But we have had to learn that over 15 years. It's taken a long time. The other thing we have had to learn how to do is, and again, some of you... Some of you will think that's terrible, but, but I know we have had to also learn that we need to sometimes do that in front of Daniel. Because he grew up not with any conflict. If he thinks someone's unhappy with him, he hasn't got brothers and sisters to scrap with. He hasn't ever seen conflict because we, we weren't doing any. We were just pretending everything was okay. So he grew up in this bubble where everything's okay. So when someone's upset with him, or he used to go to people's houses and their brothers and sisters would fall out and he'd be crying, he couldn't cope with conflict because he was never exposed to any. So we've also had to deliberately um, not send him away when we need to have words with each other, but we have chosen on purpose to do that in front of him because he needs to see that that's not a problem. Now, I'm being very open and practical, because otherwise it becomes hypothetical. But in my want for everything to feel okay, there was, right, you'll get my point. I still don't like it, but I would rather do truth than have fake peace. I would rather do truth than have fake peace. Now, I was getting what I wanted, the illusion of peace, but it came with strings attached that were not worth it, and I didn't want these. Now, will you be honest with yourself now about where in your life you are, you are not, where you may be allowing a, a, a fake, fake thing to be going on where really, really in your heart you are somewhere else? In your heart you're somewhere else, and in your heart you're not being fully honest about what it is you want what it is you see. Um, okay. Some of us still want our pain and our issues because they are preferable to the perceived fallout and feelings that we think will come if we tackle it. Some of us want to stay here rather than tackling the stuff. And some of you, I, re I, I believe this so strongly, some of you need to learn how to have the fight. The fight in here with yourself, the fight in some of your relationships where you've got to just have some of this stuff out, some of those underlying simmering tensions, some of those things that are just need to be said, right, come on, I'm struggling with this. Let's reason this together. That's what God says when he says, let's reason together. He doesn't say, you go over there and pretend you're okay with everything. I'll go over there and pretend I'm okay with everything. He says, come on, let's talk about this to come to some kind of conclusion. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm going to just read you these few short verses. Mark 14, is it coming up? Okay. I have no idea where I am. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Then they, I'll tell you what, it's easier when you fake and you pretend you're all right. Okay. But it's not good. It's not good. We don't like that. 
Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Now, it's a slightly different version to the one I read. I got it wrong, Robert, because it said, not what I want, what you want. And when I read this, will you just put it in the NIV for me, Robert? And go back up one to verse 36. Do you know what? I only want this on because there's a semicolon in it that I like. No, I'm, ser- I'm serious. It's in my notes. <laughs> now, look at this semicolon. Oh, it's not there. Do you know what? There was one. In one version, I have to mention it because it's my favourite piece of punctuation, as you know. In that one where it says verse 36, in the other version I was reading it in, is everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Then there's a semicolon. Yet not what I want, but what you want. And when I saw that semicolon, because I do notice these things, I thought, there's a lot going on in that semicolon. So you say, take this cup away from me. Then there's this piece of punctuation where he's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is awful. Is there any way I can possibly avoid it? And then he manages to get to the second part of the sentence after much turmoil and says, you know what? Yet not what I want, what you want. And Jesus wanted something more than he wanted to avoid the pain. He did not want to do it. He did not want to do that. Why would you want to go to a cross and be crucified and talk? I mean, it's No one would want to, but he wanted something more than he wanted the pain. Now, like Isaac and the disciples, if you notice with the disciples, um, we can find ourselves with voices and feelings that don't match. So at this point, the disciples, they wanted sleep more than they wanted to pray. Can we empathize with that? Have any of you ever tried to do an all-night prayer meeting? That's when you do some fake, oh Lord, and you're just thinking, I just want to sleep. Um, <laughs> I just want to sleep. It's so hard, such hard work. I'm glad we don't do them anymore, by the way. <laughs> when we review the whole pray situation, can we not bring them back? It's hard work. Now, they wanted to sleep more than they wanted to 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 pray. I mean, that's understandable. It is understandable. Um, now, what did, why? What did they want the outcome to be? So if they wanted to sleep more than they wanted to pray, what outcome were they looking for? Well, they wanted to feel better. They didn't want to be up in the middle of the night praying about things they didn't understand and didn't see the point of. 
They didn't see the point of that. They took the path of least resistance. And how often in life can we take the path of least resistance and go for comfort rather than the effort and confusion and conflict of actually pushing through to the next bit? Would I rather sleep through some things in my life that I do not understand or see the point of? Would you rather sleep through some of the things in your life that you don't understand or see the point of? Passively just letting life happen to you, seeking the path of least resistance? Or do you grab hold of life and say, no, come on, I'm going to understand and I'm going to seek something beyond my understanding right now? Um, Jesus did not want to face the cross, but he says, not what I want, what you want. Now, Esau, the guy, I'm nearly done. Esau, the same guy we were talking about earlier. There's another part of the story, where, which again is quite famous, where he chooses a bowl of soup above his birthright, which again sounds weird to us. But basically, Jacob wanted his birthright because that would give you all sorts of long-term lifetime privileges. Esau comes in one day and he's really hungry. So, the guy, so his brother says to him, okay, Esau, bowl of soup or lifetime birthright? Pick one, pick one. Now, he chooses the soup, which is a little bit foolish, but Again, let's be honest, we've all done that too. We have chosen something that makes me feel good now above something that would last me a lifetime. We have all done that and we probably all still do it. We choose the temporary above the, the permanent. And are the lifetime consequences to the choices you are making now that are not worth the temporary feel-good factor that are going to cost you sometimes something from your lifetime? Now, let's bring this to a bit of a, a close. There's a verse in Psalm that says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Lovely verse. Again, a very famous one. Does this mean, okay, if I make God happy, I'm just going to get everything I want. Be nice if it meant that. Um, I think when I looked it up today, it means this. It says, when it says, delight thyself in the Lord, I thought this was lovely. It means the delight bit means be soft and be pliable. You know, like the potter in the, the clay. It means be soft and pliable. Be someone who can be shaped and moulded, um, which made me think of that other verse where it's a shape of Genesis week from the chaos of my life, that somehow or other you're soft and pliable. And it said a bit about in the Lord was Jehovah, which meant the existing one. Ooh. So it's the idea that you're going to be soft in the one who exists. And you're going to then get that sense of, as you stay soft in the one who exists, I've always liked the idea that when it says he'll give you the desires of your heart, it's almost like he's going to put desires into your heart. As you're sort of soft and pliable in his hands, there's going to be stuff that he's, he's shaping in you and for you and with you. Um, okay. Here is the challenge, and these are, these are things that I know are applicable for some of you. Some of you are on the verge of making lifetime choices that are not what you actually want for your lifetime. And if that's you, please pause and consider whether you can actually live with that. Um, some of you are not getting what you say you want because you've chosen the path of least resistance because you're afraid of the fight. Um, you'd rather have the fake peace than have the fight. 
Um, but take heart that Jesus, Jesus gets that. You are in your semicolon moment. You're saying, I don't want to do that suffering bit, but not what I want, what you want. And for some of you, you need to choose the crisis above the illusion of safety. Um, some of you um, are in a place where you've only got self-serving wants because you're so hard, you've become hardened by hardships in life, which may have been very genuine and you may have needed to survive some terrible things. But if you're no longer soft and pliable clay in the existing one, um, you've lost his desire in you to be part of something wider than you. And it's become this bubble of me. And the way out of that is to just allow, the Bible talks about how there's the oil of his spirit and there needs to be a softening. And we all need to believe with you today for a softening in your heart that you can trust his intentions towards you and allow his desires to grow in you and his compassion to become part of you again. And finally, I know there's some of you tonight who have had God-given desires that you've been waiting for a really long time and they seem very far off. Um, and I was thinking today about in Romans 8, it talks about a pregnant creation waiting for full deliverance. Um, and we know it's in us and we can expect it. But you're wanting to see that thing fully, fully formed now. Um, and it's lovely, that verse, because it talks about how pregnant women, you're not diminished in the waiting. You don't get smaller, do you, when you're pregnant? You don't get smaller, you just get bigger and more uncomfortable. So even in your waiting... You're growing, and it says that's why we can be so sure that in every detail of our lives of love for God, it's being worked into something good, which is easy to read, but when you're, when you're pregnant and you feel like you're overdue and you're waiting to give birth, that's not very com comfortable. So again, I want to agree and stand with you today for your full deliverance, that the stuff that you've been waiting for and the desires of your heart, that they will be delivered in your life. And... That's it. Thank you very much. I don't even know if this is how it is. That was awesome. Wasn't it? Uh, also, your semicolon is there in the New King James. It hasn't been stolen, Jen, so it's, you can rest easy. So I don't know what happened there. Thank God for the semicolon. Um, none of this is, means anything unless there's a call to action. But I don't want to re-preach Jen's message because if you can't get the call to action from that, then you've been on your phone to somebody other than tweeting about what Jen's saying. Um, we're pretty complex, aren't we, as, as people? We sometimes oversimplify, like Jen said, the many issues that shape our lives and why we do what we do. And one thing I've become more and more conscious of the older that I've gotten and the experiences that I've had is that until you familiarize yourself with a person's story, do not presume yourself equipped to judge their actions. But then there's all of us. I'm very much more like Jen. I, I, don't, I don't like to not be liked. And um, uh, sometimes what I've received as flattery is actually 
been wrong because I like to be liked. For example, I had another, um, another leader in the city tell me, because he knew some stuff, that these people are only doing and saying that about you because they know that you won't retaliate. Which I thought, well, that's kind of lovely. But on the other hand, maybe I should. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe, maybe sometimes we need to know in our lives the things that are, we are going to make life decisions that will be life decisions. And a bit of that story about Jen, that story's picked up 3,000 years later. And uh, here's what the writer said, that the guy who chose the soup over the birthright because that met the need that he, how he wanted to feel at the time. It says he could not get back the birthright, even though he went after it with tears. In other words, he wasn't being judged. Nobody was being cruel. But, but the decision he made just to feel how he wanted to feel in that moment, he could never get back to where he could have been, if only. Guys, I understand choices are hard. Um... And in fact, the choices that matter are always hard. If the choice is too easy, it probably doesn't really matter. So make your choices under the grace of God with some real honesty and, and let, let, let consideration for all the aspects of life moving. But understand, God is for you. The Father is with you. And uh, he comforts us in our discomfort. If he's going to comfort us, there has to be some discomfort. But that discomfort should come from our desire to make right choices that express all that God has touched our lives to be. So thanks, Jen. I, um, I thought that was great. I, I recommend, certainly for some of you, you go back and have another listen to that. And, um, well, I, I'm going to prophesy this, okay? Some of you ought not to make the choices you're about to make until you've gone back and listened again to that because it will help you to determine the choice that will bring you to life. To us, birthrights don't sound like much, but what it meant was this. Everything that his father had owned and, and directed was going to pass on to him. That, that was, that was the, the father's inheritance becoming reality in the son. That's what God wants for you. So let's make choices that make that a reality. So I'm just going to pray for you and then we're out of here. Of course, any time if you want to talk these things through, we're always here to help you and to talk and to pray with you. So Father, thank you, thank you for what I believe is you speaking very clearly to us tonight. So I know for one, I just opened my heart to you and and like, like old King David said many years ago, search me and know me and see if there be any hidden things in me that I need to address, but not from me, but to address in you so that it's not about my life influencing that, but your life influencing me and through me changing situations so that your kingdom comes and your will is done here on earth just like it is in heaven. So you know every one of us in, intimately and personally. Help us with these issues to come through to the fullness of the knowledge of all that you are in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll be blessed. And thanks again, Jen. And like I say, if you want to hang around and chat, that's fine.
Uh, otherwise, we bless you and come, come see that movie on Wednesday. It's going to be really good.